Yeah, good morning, everyone. I'm really excited to be back. I'm really excited to be able to share God's word and a message with you this morning. And as Bernadette spoke, we, we, a number of us got back from Project Timothy, and I'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Um, let's pray. Lord, as I look across the room, I just ask that you'd move. You'd move across us. We'd sense your presence right now. We'd be still in our hearts and in our thoughts. And for just a few minutes, we'd just be able to interact directly with you. And not all the ramblings that go on and the things that we have, but we can just stop and be still and hear you. I ask you to speak through the sermon this morning and through our worship and communion, our time together. It would bring honor and glory to you, but that you would move us and that we would be just that much more transformed to be like you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our sermon today is from Hebrews 11, verse 6. And I've entitled it, God Rewards Faith. So to jump right into it, let's read the scriptures. Hebrews eleven six. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. I wasn't a couple of days into Project Timothy this week. It's an eight-day um, trip down to one of our vineyard churches in Pennsylvania. Um, and it's literally 24 hours a day with youth. It was 106 youth this year, I think it was, something like that. And it's 24 hours a day. So you're with them, you're... You know, when you're not at the church with them, you're at another event with them, or you're at the house with them. And, and uh, there was uh, ten, nine teenage guys with me in the basement of a house and uh, at night. That went on a lot later than I did. After 1.30, they were still up. And it wasn't two days into this, Rayleigh was kind of gave me a call, texted, why did you agree to preach this weekend? <laughs> you know, I was already exhausted. And, uh, and I wanted to tell you and share with you, when Rob... When Rob pointed out this verse and said, it's a series coming up and, and would you like to preach? It's like one of my favorite verses. It's like one of these things I memorized, put to memory uh, in a different version, but put to memory more than 30 years ago. And it's caused and created in me over the years as I've not forgotten it and continue to repeat it in my mind and continue to pray about it. It's continued just to stir in me thoughts and, and ideas about faith and, and what faith means and what it means to please God. Uh, you heard my pregnant pause as I read it. It's impossible to please God without faith. Uh, it just You can read it in so many different ways and think through it. It has stimulated all kinds of thoughts and ideas in my mind. It's really made me think long and profound, this verse has, about my relationship with God. 
And so to be able to have the honor, thank you, Rob, the honor to talk about that, that this morning is beyond tiredness. It's beyond anything else. It's beyond it's like God speak through me and, and talk with us today. It's created in me a really profound desire about more experiences with God. I, I got the idea as I read through this verse that he wants to reward us. And that does reward us. And I grew up as a Christian, so to speak, which, by the way, was 45 years ago this summer. And I'm reflecting with the youth. I was a teenager, and then looking back on it, that was 45 years ago that I put my faith and trust in Jesus because somebody came to a youth group and shared that I could have a personal relationship with God. I had never connected with that before had grown up in a church and knew who Jesus was and he was born on Christmas and died on Easter, but I didn't, wasn't sure how all of that came together. But actually, if somebody come and speak to me and said, Jeff, you can have a personal relationship with God. And it's not about some club or something. And that was 45 years ago. And then a lot of other things stirring in my mind because... Well, I'll just bring it up. I'm actually 60 this week. It's my birthday. I wore my even little sticker. And uh, no other birthdays really affect me, but this year, this one's kind of like coming up on me. It made me think. I've always told my kids, the scriptures God said, uh, from now on, I'm going to number your days as mankind. And he calls out in Genesis 120 years. And I always said, I'm going to 120. You know, uh, God said we could. So that's where my goal is. And so I'm like the halfway mark. I will now start my midlife kind of activities at 60. But it's made me think in a lot of different ways. And this verse, again, like all of it kind of colliding in together um, this week, that God must desire to reveal himself to us. If he's a rewarder, he wants us, and he has this idea of relationship that we can please him, and that it's by faith, and that he wants to have a relationship with me, and there's something in it about his existence and believing that he exists that would stimulate something to me to a different level, I would think, why wouldn't God show himself to me? And I've thought this for a long time. Having grown up around as a Christian then, I explained when I became a Christian, but it wasn't until post-college that I actually was in a church that was teaching about the Bible on a regular basis. And as I was growing up in this, I was being taught somewhat that be wary of your experiences because they can mislead you, you know, and that it's all about faith. And this idea of, you know, it's something like it was mysterious how God might interact with me, but yet I got to be careful my experiences because I can't have a faith based on experiences. And um, I don't know if anybody else has been exposed in that kind of thinking, but it affected me a lot. Like, how can I have a faith without experiences? And I'd read James, and I'd read through the scriptures, and I'd say, somehow I've got to connect, and I've got to have experiences, but I've got to be leery of them because I could lean the wrong way with my experiences. And, and so I've been struggling, but wouldn't God want to reveal himself to me? Wouldn't a verse like this say he, he, he wants to? Um, and it seemed to me for a long time that if God is active and alive, and he exists like I believed he does, that I could experience him in a real tangible way. 
Why would he move around in secret? Or hidden from me? In faith, I must be able to actually experience him. Not just be educated about him. Which goes back to another series we did earlier this year about, it's not just about knowing about God, but it's knowing God. And then this verse speaks about him rewarding faith. What I mean is when God does reveal himself, and I've seen him do it, and when he reveals himself in a, in a real pragmatic, practical way, and I acknowledge that's him, and it wasn't just some coincidence or fate that kind of directed this, aren't you lucky? You know, and we throw all these things out in our vernacular and our vocabulary, like, you know, Mother Nature or the gods or fate or coincidence. But what if it's none of the above? What if the God of all creation actually is personally interested in my life and yours? And if I'll open my eyes in faith, I'll see him move and I'll see him interact. And I'll have those moments of God intervening in my life where it would be the supernatural. I couldn't explain it by any other way. Though the world may throw out all other kinds of reasons, I would happen to come to a conclusion that was God in my life, and I know it was. A God moment. It transforms me. But it really is an exercise of faith. An exercise. And in our church is probably more than anybody else. Right here, the home of the marathon start. You know, we've talked about running. And we've talked about exercise. And we've had exercise classes physically. And we have saw the parallels to it. But there's another exercise I want to speak about today. And none of you are excluded. We're going to exercise this morning. We're going to exercise our faith. And see if it doesn't transform us and change us. So Project Timothy is an initiative that started eight years ago. Um, at least formally within the Vineyard Movement. Within a couple of local, lo- couple of churches within our region saying, we have some kids in our youth group that aren't just attending youth group, but they actually so- show s- tendencies towards leadership. And how are we going to move the next generation to be able to be involved in church and be involved in leadership if we don't spend some time investing with them. And they started a program called Project Timothy, much like Paul took Timothy, the young fellow, uh, under his wings. And they started investing in, in some youth in this way. And it's not all-inclusive, and it's not an exclusive club, but it was just like, can we take some time out with a few and spend some time with them and do that? And they get hands-on activities and service projects. Not only going out and doing one, but this is one like, here's the concept. Now you guys as a team figure out how to put it together, what your needs are, how you're going to get there, what the resources are going to be, how you're going to engage in the projects. And this year they went out and shingled a roof of somebody's house. They went into a nursing home and actually ministered uh, to some folks that are there and um, just uh, packed backpacks in one place for for kids who, who don't have school supplies and, and, and then engaged out on the street praying for people and going out and, and doing those things. They put together during the week a worship service 
that's one of the best I've ever been in. <laughs> Where the youth actually played all the instruments in the back. And, and during this project, Timothy, I'd say 80% of the people participating were youth. But they played the youth. One of the gals actually wrote a song during the week. Wrote a song. And they performed it. Not just performed it, but we worshipped with it. And then four different kids got up and did a little sermonette and taught. And I was like, wow, I, I felt inspired that the next generation of leaders, the next generation of folks are being seated out and are there and growing up. And we were able to take some kids this year, and I'm going to invite them to come up. Um, Lily Borst, can you come up? She's already working. She's back doing the sound. So if the sound starts flaking out, it's because Henning's trying to pick it up, but Lily, Lily, Lily's been running that. Audrey, Buck, can you come up? Amelia Narrow, Alan Biggers, can you guys come up for, for a few minutes? And I hope there's a microphone. So during the week, during the week, I asked them, I said, look for God. Um, and talk about, look for God moments and what they might be. And I've asked them to come up and share if they had a God moment and what it was for them, what it meant for them. Lily, let's start with you. Okay, so um, at the beginning of the week, I had a lot going on, and like I had a lot going on before I left, so I was like really distracted during worship, and I had a hard time um, connecting to God. And um, one of the, I think it was like the third day, someone prayed for me, and that um, I really felt God like lift the burdens off of me, and I was able to like connect, and by the end of the week, God um, really used me, and he gave me prophetic words for other people, and a lot of them were like spot on. So that was like really, really cool for me. Yeah, it's okay to apply. Um, so before I went to Project Timothy, I was kind of having a hard time like going through some stuff. But um, as soon as I got there, I like completely experienced the Holy Spirit, which was super helpful, and I got tons of prophetic words for, from other people in prayer. And I just felt like so much better and uh, really felt God's presence there. And that was really nice. Thank you. Amelia? Okay. Um, I feel like each day at Project Timothy is almost like a little baby God moment. Um, <laughs> like uh, each night we would have like night sessions and they were always like really powerful. And during worship beforehand, which I would never know what the topic was, I almost always would be like thinking about something that was troubling me. Like one night I was thinking um, about like right now, it's a possibility that next year I might move to Mississippi. So like I was thinking about whether I should go to Mississippi or stay in Massachusetts. And then like that night, as I was like still stressed about that, um, the teaching was on how to make good decisions. And like it just, I feel so much more equipped to make that decision. And that happened like every night where there was like, I would just each teaching spoke directly to an area of my life. Um, but one also like, more clear God story was we went um, treasure hunting, which is where you like uh, pray for prophetic words or um, pictures of people or things that people will be wearing, and then you go in public and you try to find those people and pray for them. Um, and so one of the prophetic words I got was um, of a mom who was really anxious about her kids, and um, I didn't really know what that would look like or if I would be able to recognize her. But um, while we were out, I saw a grandma and. I kind of just like paused. Um, I don't know. She just stood out to me. And about two minutes later, she actually lost her grandchild. Like she physically lost her grandchild. She 
um, didn't know where she was, and it was like really scary, and um, she just needed help in that moment. So the three of us who were there were able to be there and to like comfort her and to go around the parking lot looking for the girl. Um, and it turned out that she was inside with her dad. Um, but it was like, I think we were able to show that grandma, just like the love of Jesus, that we would like take out the time to look for her and like pray for her afterwards that she would be comforted about her kids. Uh, so this is, so these guys have gone on Project Timothy. This is their second year. Uh, this is my fourth year going. And at this point is when uh, they made all the fourth year's interns. So not only am I experiencing all the stuff that they're experiencing, going doing all that stuff, but I'm also setting it up and tearing it down. So by the second day, I'm just physically exhausted. And like, <laughs> we're, we're going to bed at what, like 2.30 in the morning and waking up at like 7. So it's just like every night I get like a good like four and a half hours of sleep. And um, so I'm just spiritually exhausted, physically exhausted. And um, it's great, and I loved it. Um, <laughs> it was just so amazing, like my dad was saying earlier, that um, there are some kids, they, they have tracks, and so there's the worship, the teaching, and the missions track, and the second and third years, which would include you guys, would go and like find their calling. And it was really cool, but by like, the end of the week, you see people who are super timid going in, coming out like worship leaders coming out like and teaching in front of everyone who at the beginning of the week didn't even want to share their name are out like preaching his name and so that was really powerful um but the i think the best thing for me was i have like friends that are there that i've met when i was like a freshman in high school going into my senior year so like i've been growing up in high school with these kids and I go into a side room with some of my friends and uh, during worship, and they're going to pray for my leg because I had pulled my calf when we were uh, at a trampoline park. And um, they're praying for, for healing. And then my friend Josh gets a word, and he said, Alan, you have a word for someone here, and if you don't say it, you're not going to get healed. And I was like, okay, you're right. And, um, and I was just like, oh, well, one of you isn't sleeping, like at all. And my friend Maddie's like, yeah, I have insomnia. Like, this is something she's never shared with anyone. And I was like, okay, we're switching. And so, like, we start praying for her and all this stuff. And this goes on through all of worship. So, you know, we're, like, 45 minutes in. And um, and we're like, okay, cool. We can still go to the teaching. And my friend goes outside, and she comes back in. She's like, I wanted to scream at God. I want to yell at God. I want to be alone, but I need prayer. And we're like, okay. So, like, we start praying for her. So now we're, we're at the, we went in for my healing, started praying for someone else, so now we're praying for our friend Emily. We get done with her, and there's so much, like, deep-rooted stuff, and it's just such a spiritual experience. Two hours later, we leave the room, and everyone is gone, right? And we get out, and it was to a point where we, we were so in tune spiritually that my friend Noah came up to hug me, and I hugged him just right there. I had a prophetic word for him. I was like, oh, like, hey. And I start praying for him, he's just crying. And it's just like, the spirit moves. Like, we're not, like, the biggest thing that we learn at Project Timothy is we're not the church of tomorrow, we're the church of today. And so, God is faithful through that. That's, that's it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. I wanted you to hear about these God moments and some that they wanted to share. And that it was a real experience for them, and God's still speaking to them. But many of you, and I've been around you, at least within ministry for the last five years, I've heard your, some of your God moments. 
and some of the things that God's done and, and how God's intervened in your life. And I, if I've had a chance and I haven't, well, shame on me, but I've always encouraged you to write those down, you know, because in the times you're not there, it's always good to reflect back on when God has intervened and God has had that moment with us. They become these God moments like these confirming indicators for us in the story of our lives that God exists, that He's present, about God's power. It's not some untouchable thing, but faith then becomes a touchable, tangible thing because we've experienced God. It's not just blind hope, but it's real hope. Even in things I can't see yet, yet I believe that they'll happen. We don't have to fear those who say we can't let our faith be based on experiences. I'll challenge you, show me your faith without it, and I'll show you my faith by mine. I'll show you God exists. Faith believes that God's here. And that He's moving among us. And that He wants to move among us. And that He's doing things among us today. He hasn't left us or abandoned us. He didn't ascend into heaven and say, Good luck. May the fate be with you. May the force be with you. And I'll check back in some point, And I hope you're doing well. If you get a chance, pray. And maybe I'll throw something your way every now and then. That's not God. We may make Him out to be that way. And He may respond in our lives that way because we've limited how we're going to see God. It's through our faith exercise that God moments answer any and all of our doubting questions. That the Lord is alive and actively engaged in our lives. God moments are precious rewards. Now if that's not enough, let me lay out one deeper thought that comes out of this passage that we've read. Think about a God moment that you've had in your life. Think about a time where you know that was God. I, I know it was. Just think about it for a moment. Is it, some, is it surfacing up in your thoughts right now? Can you imagine if that happened every day in your life? In every moment? In every second? I think that's eternity. It'll be something like a God moment just ongoing because we'll be in the presence of God. We'll be in His presence. The Lord Jesus face to face with us. Actively engaging with Him. And all these things of this world will be put aside and we'll experiencing Him. And there's a reward that we're waiting for and anticipating that is even much greater than any moment. We see glimpses right now. We have bookmarks in our life where we know God's intervened. But He's stepping up to a different level. He's going to point us to a different reward. I want to drive into this passage a little bit further. And would you back up with me to the first verse of Hebrews 11? A very familiar verse to many of you. I've got it, we've got it on the screen if you want to read along with me. It says this, and let me read these six verses. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. 
It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. And it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he re- exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. In addition to God moments in our lives that we can experience and have experienced, I see three more things and three more areas that we must seek where when exercising our faith. The first one, the second, the next one is God opportunities. Exercising our faith is looking for God opportunities. And this is putting our needs and our challenges and expectations in front of God as opportunities that he'll make in tomorrow's God moments. I'm more frequently moving away from coming up with a list of prayer requests or even asking you for what your prayer requests are. I'd rather be asking people, what are your prayer opportunities? What are those things you have going up right now? And if God was to intervene, that would be tomorrow's God moment that you'd be up here telling everybody about them. And if you could look at life not as a list of tasks or a list of things that are unmet, but a list of opportunities that God could intervene in, it changes your perspective. Because if you have a list of things that you're seeking and praying to God about, and you can put all your family members on it, and you can put all your your work and your lives and finances and struggles and all those things, the list becomes this. And if you spend time in your prayer journal with all of these requests, and maybe it's just me, you can actually walk out of it kind of depressed because there's so much there. And though you look back and say, what's God done? You fall into this, yeah, but I still got this list for you, God. You understand what I'm saying? What if I looked at that as opportunities? Oh, they're just there. It's just the next opportunity and challenge that I've laid out and I'm looking for God to intervene in. And I want Him, if He does it, it becomes that opportunity for tomorrow I can share others about, God did this. And I don't see this too distinct list as a list that things I think God could do and might do. And I think that, well, He could do that, but He probably won't. That's not faith. It's throwing everything out there and make, God, can you intervene in this? Do you have a God opportunity right now that you'd like to put out there? Do you have a God opportunity, something that you'd like to put out and say, God, would you intervene with this? And it'll be tomorrow or next week's God moment that I know it was you. If you look at the very first verse, can you go back to that for me, Kevin? We see a definition of faith. And it maybe is one that many of you have memorized before. But the idea that faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. And remember he says that without faith it's impossible to please him, but now it's giving us the idea that faith is some idea that goes into a deep assurance and confidence of our soul that God's going to complete this. 
God loves us. He loves me. He's going to intervene in my life. He's not going to leave me in this state. I'm going to leave it out there, and I'm going to let him do it and take on. It's that idea that what we actually hope for will happen. And it says it gives us assurance about things we cannot see. It's not really a God opportunity if you already see the end result. I was at the, uh, we went to the Eastern Conference and um, when God called me into ministry, called me to do this, it took eight years for it to realize, and I'm not going to go through that story. You've heard it before. It took eight years for it actually to be realized. And God did a lot of things in our lives during that period of time. Over the course of that time, and even moving into ministry, there were certain things I said, God, I'll go into pastor and I'll do whatever you want me to do. There's probably a few things I won't do. I, I, I might be, unlike today's bulletin, I'm not the lead pastor. I may be the senior pastor because I'm senior to him <laughs> in years, but I'm not the lead pastor. Don't, don't get that mixed up today. But I'm not that, and I'm not planning a church. I'm not doing this. And I really felt like God spoke to me in the course of that uh, conference. Uh, Jeff, you don't have the right to tell me no until you've said yes. I'll preach a sermon series on this sometime, but I think in our lives, we can't start telling God what we're not going to do unless you're willing to say yes. Uh, Jesus didn't go to the garden and pray in the last hours before he was betrayed and say, here's what I want to happen, and I'm not going to do this. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Maybe there's something like me you were saying no to. And it's time to say yes. It doesn't mean it's going to end up that way, but you're just saying, yes, whatever you want me to do, Lord. That's the God opportunities. And it starts walking through in verses 2 through 4, backtracking from creation. It's really a fundamental thing. I mean, we look across creation, and those of us who believe, those of us who know that God exists, look at the depth and the breadth of creation, all that's out there, and are just amazed i am that this exists and that god's put it in place i was able to stand out in a field this week there's this huge cornfield out by the barn and it was dark outside and when there's no city lights you can see the stars and they're just like one on top of the other and i was amazed i remember the scripture and he knows them god he knows them all by name like this is incredible And, and you put on my other hat as a scientist as an educated and had been a functioning scientist for three decades, and you get all this stuff about, you know, how things happened and what this, but you get on this side of it and you say, God did it, and I have no problem saying, you want a big bang? Well, bang, God said everything exists. And he didn't need materials to create it because he did it with his own word. And that God who's there... You don't think he can't speak into your opportunity right now and change it and make it and shape it and do something different? Do you think the cripple that was laying there when, James, when John and Peter walked up to the temple just days after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, do you think he ever thought after laying there for so many years that he'd ever walk again? And he was just begging, hoping his hope and opportunity was God just give me enough money to buy bread for today. 
And he talks to two disciples, Peter and John, and they said, you know, we don't have anything to give you, but what I do have, I give you this right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. Boom. You think he had a God moment? He's jumping up and down. And for the next course of several chapters in Acts, he's dragging, they can't get rid of him. He's all over these guys. He's going with the temple, says he's there with them, and then the, finally the leaders and the Pharisees say, enough, enough. Quit telling people that Jesus did this. I can't stop telling people Jesus did this. Jesus did this. I'm up. What's your God moment? What's your God opportunity? You need to exercise some faith. The next area that I want to seek after involves this guy called Enoch. He was like the seventh descendant from Adam. And there's not much spoken of him in Scripture. But he was identified as one being taken up into heaven. God took him. He disappeared. Uh, several different ways it's said. And I want to elaborate on that a little bit because I think it's our third area where we seek to exercise our faith. And that's in God walks. God walks. Enoch had had his God moments, evidently. And he found himself in a close fellowship with his creator. And in the unimaginable, we find that he's walking with God and fellowship with God, and he didn't come back. He's disappeared. He's gone. He went to be with God. God took him. Let me expand all that's written about Enoch in Genesis. It's on the screen there. Genesis 5, 23 and 24. Enoch lived 305 years more than I'm at right now. 365 years. Which was a young buck compared to the others that were in that time frame. Some were living up, you know, eight, nine hundred years. He's 365 years walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. You know, I, I really love taking a long walk and taking walks with Rayleigh. I think it's a time as a couple we can go out together and we can talk and, and interact and enjoy each other's company. And there's something really pleasant about that. Um, it's not stressful. Um, unlike having run with her a lot, that's stressful. <laughs> it's hard to talk. But just to walk with someone and to spend time with them, there's something that's pleasant. And maybe there's someone in your life or someone's that you've had that walk with and you enjoy that. Something occurs in the dialogue and it's pleasant and you can get away. Can you imagine a long walk with God? Just you and Him. You're going on a walk. Who would dominate the conversation? Would you just be pouring your guts out and everything? God, do this and that and this. Or would we even be able to speak at all? Amos gives us some insight about walking with God. And he says, or walking with someone, he says in Amos 3, 
Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And think about what the author is trying to say about Enoch. He walked with God. They, they must have agreed on the direction they're going to go. That would be important if you're going to walk together. Aurelia, you want to go on a walk? Yeah. And she takes off that way and I go off that way. I, no, I admit that we would go do this together. You have to agree on where you're going to go, right? But then the other thing you have to do is agree on how fast we're going to run or walk. How, what's our pace here? Uh, are we going to walk in step together? Or am I just going to walk quickly and, and just leave her behind or vice versa? You have to agree and come to a collaborative kind of pace that you'll walk with or you can't have that kind of interaction, right? So you have to agree in the direction. You have to agree and think about what this Enoch, think about this walk with God. He's walking with God in his life. What is the author trying to tell us? He was walking in pace with God. He was interacting in a place in a rhythm of God. And beyond this, the word says Enoch pleased God. And even our verse today is talking about what it is to please God. It's something not just to be present and walking along and walking at the same pace, but there's something that he pleased him. And that is that idea of being completely aligned with in thoughts and discussion and activities. Some versions say he was in felt, walked in fellowship. His life and inter interactions were aligned with his creator in rhythm with God. Now, now, place yourself at some point where you're walking with God. You're spending time with the creator of all the universe and you're aligned with him in pace and in direction and in rhythm. And the conversation and the interaction is pleasing. The God walk. I believe we're supposed to seek that out in our life. You might want to do it literally and go on a walk. Or make sure that how you interact in your day, it's aligned in that way. Am I in the rhythm of God? Where do we get direction of that? Well, the scriptures point us to direction of that. God says it's one of the Ten Commandments. We're supposed to rest on the Sabbath day. On the seventh day, we're supposed to rest because he did. <coughs> Jeff, are you aligned with that? Oops. Alignment time. Why would I expect you know, to not be stressed out or tired or whatever if I'm not aligned to doing what God does and even a basic thing of finding a Sabbath for me and whatever yours might be. But God was transformed Enoch and somehow he walked with God and it pleased God and God took him. Now that's a walk with God it brings us to the last thing I believe that we need to seek when exercising faith God rewards that he spoke of here in Hebrews 6 we've seen God moments we see that he exists we see that he moves we're willing to lay opportunities out with him we know we can align in how we walk and interact with him and should and move in that direction but there's a reward, an ultimate reward. Soak in this for just a minute because it's impossible, impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. 
sincerely seek him. We see that the reward spoken of here is not just another God moment, but a future step. The ultimate climax of reward with God. The full-time experience of a God moment, if you will. One Bible commentator said this, the best reward of seeking is to find the thing that you're looking for. So the best reward that God, the rewarder, gives is when He gives Himself. There are a great many good things that come to the diligently seeking Christian soul, but the best thing is that God shows up. Enoch walked with God and found the ultimate reward of His forever presence. And that reward is God Himself who diligently sought Him and walked with Him for a while in partial communion. And Enoch, just come on, buddy. Let's do the whole thing. As we read through the remainder of chapter 11, and we won't, as you will read later through the... I just freaked out some people. As you, re, as you will read later through the rest of chapter 11, it's all about people who walked by faith with God who didn't see their ultimate reward, but had enough experience and alignment with God, their faith was built up, they knew He exists, they knew He was going to involve, He knew that He was going to engage in their lives, and they're willing to go through whatever they would face, knowing that God's not going to leave them. And God had an ultimate reward for them. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, Moses himself, the people of Israel as they faced the Red Sea. And as they face Jericho and a great enemy and Rahab, it goes on and on and on. The ultimate God reward of heaven will be a continual God moment, a continual God walk. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and we're going to spend some time worshiping. And I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to reflect on just for a minute. And during this time of worship, how's your walk with God? How's that God walk? Are you uh, aligned in direction with Him? Are you walking at His pace or yours? Are you walking along with Him? Or are you walking in fellowship with Him? Aligned with the rhythm of how He wants to engage with you. Because you could just walk along and just be present. Or you could be actively engaged from the heart. Dear Lord, as we begin to go into worship now, I just pray that you would stimulate our hearts to think deeply and more deeply about you. And to seek you in all ways in our lives, both in the God moments and the God opportunities, and lay it all out before you. And that we would walk with you knowing that we ultimately have a reward a reward of heaven that is presence eternal with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Would you all stand if you could?